Well, as you know, our, our uh, pastors today are both traveling, so we have the privilege of having a, a guest pastor with us today, um, Reverend Matthew DeLong, uh, as we prayed for earlier. Uh, he is uh, part of RUF International, based out of George Mason University, but really serving the Northern Virginia area, working with um, international students. Uh, and bringing the, the knowledge and the love of Christ to them. So uh, without further ado, I'd like to welcome uh, Reverend DeLong up here to speak with you today. Good morning. Um, you probably saw this, but the passage that we'll be looking at today is Leviticus chapter 19, Verses 33 through 34. So if you have a copy of the scriptures with you and you'd like to turn there, please turn to Leviticus 19, verses 33 through 34. Um, Before I read today's passage, I just want to say that um, this was mentioned a little bit before, but we're all coming in from different places, right? We, most of us have had some joys this week. Most of us have had challenges this week. But however you're coming in, I want you to know that the Lord Jesus welcomes you. The Lord Jesus welcomes you. Leviticus chapter 19, verses 33 through 34 This is God's word given for us and says this. When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you are strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord, your God. This is God's word. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for how you teach us and instruct us. Thank you that you welcome us. We ask now that as we come to your word that you will give us understanding. We ask that by the power of your spirit that you will grow us in faith and in love for you and for those around us. We ask that you will transform your people, that you will conform us to the image of Christ, and that through us you will be honored so that Christ will be praised here around the world, now and forever. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, So when, my wife's name is Shireen. So when Shireen and I um, first started with RUF International, some of the first students that we met were a couple named Sam and Linda. And if you're wondering, Sam and Linda are not the real names. All names have been changed to protect privacy and for security reasons. Um, but uh, the first, the first, some of the first students we met were Sam and Linda, a very sweet couple. They were from Indonesia. They were married. And they had come to the United States so that Sam could work on a, another master's degree. Um, and we met on the ride back from the airport. So they had flown into the airport, and I was part of like the welcome, the welcome committee. We're in the van together, we're riding back, and there's conversation. And we, we find out that they're very responsible. 
they had reserved their apartment from Indonesia, from their home country. They had reserved it online, so they knew where they were going to live. Um, We had become friends over that, that short time, and they wanted us to be with them while they were signing their lease and checking out their apartment, right? Um, let me just say to begin with, um, maybe unless you're a real estate agent or a lawyer or like legal documents are just really your thing, real estate documents are really long with a lot of words and can be quite confusing, right? <laughs> um, it's like page after page after page and like, here, sign here. It's like, um, you should read the documents. I'm sure most people don't actually read everything, but, um, it, but it's a challenge. So they go to check out their apartment. And we get to the apartment, we open the door, and we take off our shoes, right? We get about three steps in. You know what happens? Our socks are wet. The apartment complex had decided to clean the carpets that day. The carpets weren't dry yet. Also, um, what they were used to from their home country is when you rent an apartment, it comes furnished, right? There was no furniture here. So they had no furniture and they had wet carpets. So they stayed with Shireen and me for a few days, um, (laughs) which was a lot of fun. We got to know them even better. Um, And over our time with them, by by a few days in, Sam and I were talking, he, he kind of sat down with me. He's like, Matthew, um, Lena and I, uh, Linda, Linda and I, we want to be part of your group. And so it's like, that's awesome. They, they were believers. They had come, they were believers, and they're a sweet couple. And they stayed with us. Well, they got their furniture set up, their phones, and their bank accounts, And Sam and Linda are this um, example of people who God has brought to the United States to study. They are far from home. They are far from um, their they're far from their cultures. They're speaking usually a second language, maybe a third language. They are um, they have left their support networks with the idea of hey, let's get higher education. Uh, And so that's specifically with international students because I work with international students. This is also refugees. This is also immigrants, right? This is people who have come to a new part of the world, leaving family and friends behind, um, seeking sometimes a better life, sometimes higher education, but they're here. But But they also are often vulnerable, right? Because they're away from friends and family. They have left their support networks. Culture is different, so things work differently. Like, there's no furniture in their apartment. And we need to remember that they are still created in the image of God. They are created in the image of God. And because they are created in the image of God, they are full of God's dignity and honor. They are worthy of respect And God cares for them deeply, right? God cares for them deeply. And just as he calls, um, and just as God loves and welcomes people, he calls 
us to love and to welcome others as well. Um, so I'm going to give you a little heads up. This is the one thing that you need to remember if you remember nothing else. So the danger of this is like, I tell you this, and you're like, I'm not going to pay attention the rest of the time. But here, but here it is. The one thing you need to remember, God loves you, and he has welcomed you. All right? God loves you, and he has welcomed you. We're going to go back in history a little bit. We're going to go back in the Old Testament. And you may remember um, about Jacob and his family, right? Um, Jacob had 12 sons. One of them went missing, and suddenly there's a famine in the land. So he sends his sons down to Egypt to get some food. His sons go down to Egypt, they get food, and there they are. And lo and behold, the son that was um, not treated well by his brothers, the one that was sold into slavery by his brothers, had suddenly come to a high position in the land. And he was over the grain in the midst of this famine. And so he was able to provide for his family. So Genesis tells us this, even though his brothers meant this for evil, to do their brother in, God meant it for good, to keep alive these many people, to keep alive Jacob and his family. The one that the promise had been given to. It had been given to Abraham and Isaac, and now it had been Jacob, and to his descendants. And Jacob, um, Jacob's still in Palestine. His brother's there. Um, his, the son, Joseph, that had been sold into slavery and was now overseeing grain and most of Egypt, he tells his brothers, Bring my father and my brother down, right? Bring your families down. We'll, we'll provide a place for you here in Egypt. And so the Israelites came to Egypt. They came to a land where the language was different. They came to a land where customs were different. They came to a land where how you made a living, right? They were shepherds. It was different. And they came to a place in which the people, the Egyptians, looked down upon them because they were shepherds. But because of Joseph and his high position in the land of Egypt, he was able to care for them. And then we get to Exodus, right? And then it tells us that a Pharaoh arose who had forgotten Joseph. Suddenly things weren't so good anymore. Um, and Pharaoh began to mistreat the Israelites. So they called out to God. They called out to God. God heard their cry. And God acted powerfully. He sent Moses. He sent plagues. And the Israelites come out of Egypt, right? By God's mighty and powerful hand. They pass through the Red Sea. They come to Mount Sinai. God reminds them of what he has done for them. He reminds them of his promises to them. And he gives them the Ten Commandments. And then on their way up to the Promised Land, they're moving around and God gives them further instructions. And that's when we get to Leviticus and that's when we get this instruction here. God gave his people this command. When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. Easy, right? 
Anytime you hear, hey, love somebody as yourself, we need to be careful about how we, <laughs> how we gauge ourselves, right? Um, God was calling his people to love the stranger who sojourned with them, to treat them like the native among them, even to love them even as themselves. Challenging, difficult. Um, it's, hard, it's hard for us to love the people who live next to us as ourselves. It's hard to live, love our family members as ourselves, right? So there's this challenge. And then, as God gives this command, he gives them this little reminder. It says, For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. The Israelites knew what it was like to be strangers. They knew what it was like to be sojourners. So they should have compassion. They should have empathy for the people who are sojourning with them, for strangers with them, right? And then... God provides a base. He provides foundation for this whole command. And what is it? It's their relationship with God. They're to do this because he says, I am the Lord your God. Because of God's relationship with his people, he calls them to reflect his character and to love and to welcome the stranger who sojourns with them. It's based in God's character. It's based in their relationship. So the people of God are to love the stranger as themselves because they know what it's like to be sojourners, and it reflects the character of their God who has loved them and welcomed them, right? Because they, they too were once far off. So throughout the Israelites' history in the Old Testament, we see some examples of where the Israelites do this better than others, right? Um, the, the one that always comes to my mind is when Ruth and Naomi come back from Moab and how Boaz is, um, shows kindness and welcome. But as we look at the Old Testament, there's a lot of times when the Israelites didn't do a very good job, isn't there? They didn't love the stranger who was sojourning with them. They didn't love their fellow Israelites. Um, earlier in chapter 19 of Leviticus, it says you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Um, here it says you shall love the stranger who sojourns with you as yourself. So the Israelites are basically not obeying God's command, right? So several hundred years later, something happens. Jesus comes. God sent his son. And Jesus came and perfectly fulfilled the law of God. In Matthew 9, we hear this. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. We see the heart of Jesus in showing compassion for this crowd. We see it in the miracles that he does to heal people. 
we see it in the casting out of the demons. Remember when Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee and there was the man filled with a legion of demons. He wasn't an Israelite. He wasn't a Jew. But Jesus has compassion on him. He was tormented, right? He was by, he was by the graves. He was cutting himself with stones and rocks. They tried to bind him, and they could not control him. The demons were so powerful, and yet Jesus shows up, has compassion on him, loves the man, and casts out the demons, right? We see Jesus having compassion. We see Jesus showing love. And then for us as well, we hear this, that God has demonstrated his love for us and that Christ has died for us. That's what we, good, we call it Good Friday, right? There's no reason to call it Good Friday except that God provided salvation for us and that Jesus died for you. That's why it's good is because Jesus purchased you with his blood. It's not good because Jesus died just because he died. It's good because Jesus laid down his life for you so that you may have life, so that you can be reconciled to, be God, reconciled to God and to be brought in, to be welcomed into the family of God. Galatians 4 says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our, into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Jesus, in redeeming you through his blood, showed his love for you and has provided a place for you in the family of God. You are not just random people out, out in the world. You are loved by God. God has brought you into his family. Um, one of the things I, I talk with my, with my Christian students about is this. Um, when, um, when we think about the gifts and the treasure and the rewards and the blessings that God gives us, the biggest one of those is God gives us himself. God brings us into relationship with himself. He gives us himself. The other things are extra. The true reward, the true treasure, is God himself. He is worth selling all that you have to get Christ. God is the treasure. He loves us so much that he welcomes us into his family, right? He welcomes us into his family so that we are no longer um, orphans. We are no longer strangers. But we are honored with a place in the family of God. So Jesus welcomes us into his family. Jesus also prepares a place for us. In John 14, too, it says, uh, Jesus says this, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Jesus goes to prepare a place for us 
So not only, not only are we in the family, but we have a place. Like, we will live with our family. Jesus shows great hospitality, great welcome in his love for us. Um, a couple years ago, I had a student that went back to Central Asia, and we were, we were meeting online, and there were several of us in the, um, on the chat. And while we were there, we noticed she's like, kind of like this big room. And so we we're like, hey, where are you? And she's like, oh, I'm in the dining room. And it's like, okay. And she's like, would you like, would you like a tour after, after we're finished with all, with all the stuff we're, we're doing here? She's like, sure, that'd be great. And so we all stay online to get a tour of her house because she was in the dining room that had seat for like, seating for like somewhere between 40 to 60 people. That's a big dining room, right? Um, the thing is that she had gone back to be at her father's house. And, like, her father's house had many rooms. Um, <laughs> like, there was this dining room um, where there was seating for, like, the family. And so she's, she's going around, so she shows us the kitchen. And a little while later, she shows us the other kitchen. Um, and so basically, in her, in her culture and especially since her family was wealthy enough for this, like, the family lived together. So her parents were there. Her brothers and sisters were there. Her and her family, like, nuclear family, were there. And so, like, there were, there were in effect, like, multiple little apartments in this big house. And she took us outside, and she, like, she shows the garden, and there was another big house, like, across the way. It's like, oh, what's that? Because, like, it's, like, this really large building. You're like, is that a is that a hotel? Is that like some sort of office building? Like, what is that? That's my uncle's house. So both like her parents and her uncle basically had these like really big houses so that the parents could live there, the children could live there, the grandchildren could live there, and I'm, I'm sure like pretty soon the grandchildren could live there. The point being, Jesus is going to prepare a place for you. There are many rooms in our father's house, just like the student's father had, had many rooms in, in his house. And we're all going to live together, right? We're going to be together as a big family, and we're going to worship God together as a big family. People from every tongue, tribe, and nation are going to be together in this house worshiping God as a family. You know, we... we um, Sometimes people think, I'm going to work really hard, and then I'm going to um, get somewhere between five to however many acres out by myself so I don't have to see my neighbors. Um, there's nothing specifically wrong with that. I just want to let you know, in heaven, it's probably not going to be like that. Um, we're going to be with our family, and we're going to be together. Um, in Revelation, we see, we, we see the picture of the New Jerusalem coming down. It's, it's a city, but it's also a garden, and it's a temple. So somehow we're going to have, there's going to be greenery with fruit that's, like, trees that are producing fruit every, every month and season. And it's going to be a city, too. So it's going to be a city and a garden at the same time. I'm not exactly sure what that's going to look like, but it's going to be awesome. When we get to heaven... If you're one of those people that are like, I really want the five to 500 acres so I don't have to see my neighbors, 
don't worry. By the time you get there, God's going to have worked in your heart that you will love it. All right? It's going to be good. Jesus is preparing a place for you in his Father's house. God loves you, and he welcomes you. He loves you, he welcomes you, and yet he sustains you, right? He feeds you. Jesus feeds us and cares for us week by week. Every week in worship, God is feeding you. He's taking care of you. Um, as you come together for worship week in and week out, God is, God is strengthening you for your sojourn here while you're waiting for the heavenly city. Because life usually isn't easy, right? People sometimes talk about like, yeah, I'm facing some challenges now. Most people are facing challenges most of the time. Um, and so you can be with brothers and sisters. You can hear from your heavenly father and know that Jesus, your elder brother, loves you so much that he laid down his life for you and he is feeding you. When you partake of the Lord's Supper, that is both a time when you are being fed by the Spirit now for daily life and challenges now, but it's also like an appetizer for the great heavenly banquet, okay? Your Father loves you, and he welcomes you. Jesus is preparing a place for you, and he is caring for you day by day as you go through hardships and challenges. And so we see that God has shown great love, welcome, and hospitality towards us in Christ. And because of the great love and welcome that God has shown you, as a child, God calls you, God is calling us to show love and to welcome to others. He's calling us to love and to welcome the stranger among us. Um, I particularly think of this in light of international students, partly because that's my job. Uh, but there's also refugees and immigrants around us. Um, I mentioned this in, sun this in, in Sunday school. Um, I live in Fairfax County. 30% um, of the population of Fairfax County is, was not born in the United States. Um, I was like, wow, that's a, that's a pretty big number. And then I checked out for Loudoun County, and it, it shows up like 25%. And then, of the people who are born in the United States, a lot of people move into the area. So there's a lot of people that have left their families, comfort, security, to be here. And so there's a lot of opportunity to welcome there's a lot of opportunity to show love to those around us. Um, when people leave um, support systems, they become vulnerable, right? A lot of times, a lot of times they, they lose a certain amount of power. A lot of times, if they're coming from another country, maybe there's, there's a challenging exchange rate where um, they might be solidly middle class in their home country, and then they come here, and things are just more expensive here. Um, so we, we need 
to ask God for eyes to see those who need to be welcomed. Um, And if you've ever shown up at a social event or maybe a church for the first time by yourself, if you've ever shown up at maybe at a job or a school and you're like, in, in your first day, you're like, hey, what's going on here? You're trying to learn, like, what are the customs here? How, how does this place operate? But if you felt that, you know that pretty much everybody needs a welcome sometime, right? So we can, we can think specifically about people who have moved from other countries, but we can also think about the people who, like, just start a new job with you. Um, and I think there's also application for this of, like, you, can know, you could have, like, known somebody. Maybe you know their name. Maybe you've talked with them some, like, nice acquaintance-type introductions, acquaintance-type talk. But they need a welcome, too. Um, especially now, there are a lot of lonely people. There's a lot of people, it's a struggle to, to build relationships, to build friendships. And people need that. Um, so, especially, especially those, those of you who are gifted with personalities who that's easier for you, I encourage you to use that, that, that blessing of your personality in welcoming others. Um, usually they call those people extroverts, but not always. Um, but... If you're an introvert, that doesn't say that, oh, you don't get to welcome people. God still calls us to welcome people, even if it's hard, okay? Even if it's hard, God still calls us to welcome people. Um, Strangers are often viewed with suspicion a lot of times. They're often viewed as an opportunity for exploitation. Um, In talking with students, there's a lot of times where I have international students that either get approached to be scammed or they, they flat out were scammed. Uh, whether that be like housing things, trying to buy cars, like all over the place. So there, there is a certain amount of um, people, who, people who are new, people who need to be welcomed, people who are vulnerable are often seen as an opportunity to be taken advantage of and taken advantage of, and we need to push against that. We need to welcome and to help provide protection for those who are more vulnerable. So, how do we love strangers among us? Um, The call starts with to treat the stranger among us as the native among us. So we treat the stranger who's with us as we treat those who were born right next door, or born in the hospital and then came back home, right? Um, So that's where it starts. And then it goes further. You shall love the stranger as you love yourself. That's hard. That's challenging. We need to repent when we don't love our neighbors as, or, and the strangers when we don't love them as we love ourselves. And typically, when we, when we, in life, when we're thinking about ourselves, we're trying to take care of ourselves, we do the best job of taking care of ourselves and our families, right? We need to take that and apply that 
to our neighbors, and to the sojourners. We need to recognize them, to treat them as, and to love them as fully human, created in God's image. Um, And oftentimes, they are our brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, One way to love the stranger among us and to show welcome is, um, is hospitality, right? Opening up our hearts, opening up our homes. Uh, One theologian has suggested that hospitality means primarily the creation of free space where the stranger can enter and become a friend instead of an enemy. Hospitality is not to change people, but to offer them space where change can take place. Um, God is the one who works in people's hearts. It is the Spirit of God that changes hearts, that brings people to faith, that, that works in our hearts, growing us more and more like Christ. Um, so let's, let's not try to change people. Let's try to love people, all right? And let God, by His Spirit, change people, okay? Um, hospitality is an expression of love for others. Basically what we're doing is we're creating space, We're creating space in our hearts, in our lives, maybe in our home, in our workplaces. Um, We're creating an environment of warmth. And so it starts in our hearts, and it moves out from there, loving those around us. Uh, So, for many of us, busyness, not business, but busyness, our schedules can be a challenge, right? We have lots of responsibilities. People have to get from one place to another place. There's activities. There's work. There's family responsibilities. And so a lot of times, um, busyness is a major obstacle to loving those around us. Um, so we, Because it turns out we can be so busy that we don't welcome, that we don't love those around us. And so we need to consciously and intentionally think about how am I going to create space in my own life so that I, so that I have that opportunity to welcome people in. We need to be mindful of our schedules, and we also need to be, remi- be mindful of our spending. These both, these both go together because, like, if, you're, if you... If you want to show some hospitality, you want to welcome people, and you're going to have a meal, that may be some extra money. So we want to leave some margin in the budget to welcome people in. And we want to remember that how we welcome others uh, needs to be suitable to the situation. Uh, What are people comfortable with? What is culturally appropriate? Because... Those changed among cultures, and so we need to be we need to be aware of that. But the reason why we welcome others is because you have been welcomed, because God has loved you, because Christ has laid down His life for you to bring you into His family. Um, so I have a I have a little exercise for you. Later today, I want you to take five minutes. You're like, wait a minute, is this homework? Yeah, kind of. Um, 
I want you to take five minutes, and this is what I want you to do in those five minutes. I want you to find a place that you can sit or stand, however you feel comfortable. Um, Take five minutes, and I want you to think and to remember how much God has loved you. Remember how God has welcomed you into his family, how God is preparing a place for you, how he sustains you and cares for you. And what I hope is happens, what I hope happens is that you will be amazed, right? That um, you'll be amazed at God's love for you. That um, gratitude just springs up in your heart because of how God has loved you. God, who created the universe by speaking, pays attention to you. He hears your prayers, right? And he loves you. And he has placed that love on you. Christ has laid down his life for you to redeem you, and you've been brought into the family of God. So take five minutes just thinking about that today. Near the end of your five minutes, pray to God. Ask God um, that as you think about his goodness and love towards you, help him, ask him to open your eyes to show you people that you know already or that you see already or that you have noticed already, who need to be welcomed, who need to be loved. And so that you can reflect God's character in loving and welcoming them. All right? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, uh, you have made a place for us in your world. You have made a place for us in your kingdom and in your family. You have welcomed us to yourself. And Christ has made peace between us through his own blood. Help us to rest in your love, that we will feel secure and comforted in the love that you give us. We ask that your love and compassion and welcome will overflow our hearts, that we will reflect your character and how we show love and welcome and compassion to those around us for Jesus' sake. As we love those around us, we ask that you will be praised, that you will receive honor for the way that you have worked in us and through us, and that ultimately um, those that we welcome will come to know you as well, to be refreshed by you, and will be be our brothers and sisters with us. May you receive glory and praise now and forever, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.